No sleep till ever. End of the at least the end of the draft. We're back there. So to smoke saying the rest of the podcast, thank God, because nobody wants to hear that. Um I got some sleep. I'm Justin Lana. Willie, thanks for waking up early and writing and, and getting on the podcast. How did you sleep given that this went till about midnight last night? I think after um the Indians call was over. Is uh up late or and then back up again early or I was up early and then then back up again early either way I don't know I'm not on a lot of sleep right now Justin so I'm not thinking clearly <laughs> yeah that statement didn't say you said you were up early or you were up early and up early so that statement probably says where your your uh, level of sleep has been <laughs> so let's I'm, I'm running under seven hours sleep for a few days now so combined yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think I was up. I definitely wasn't up as early as you, but uh, I was up pretty late too, just going reading through things. So let's let's not waste too much time, um, so we can get through this. Just a quick note on um, before we started this podcast. This is going to be mostly 99% draft talk, but the uh, report today, um, Friday, June 11th, 12th is that the owners are planning to offer a 70-game season to the players at about 80 to 85% pay, which is about 34% of full salary, or 34.5% of full salary is what it comes out to, up from 34% of the last offer. So basically the owners just kind of threw in an extra dime with their last offer. Really not much to add there. Uh, players aren't going to take it, and we're just wasting time until the – Rob Manfred says 48 game season deal with it. And that'll be it. That's, that's all my thoughts. <laughs> Justin, I agree. I think they're going to force a small scale season of some point. Maybe it's safer for everyone anyways. Um, I don't think we get a true indication of what, uh, what teams really look like. And um you know, my my thoughts go to, okay, what about the draft next year? Because it directly affects the draft next year. Yeah, because Ron, Manfred and, yeah. Uh, Manfred and, and MLB Players Association will be able to determine the, the outcome. And, and it makes me curious if they would decide to implement the uh, rotating divisional process next season. Um by negotiating and somehow as an Indians fan, I just feel like it would benefit the coastal teams. So maybe that's my suspicious and, and I haven't got enough sleep side coming out. Um, but, uh, you know, my first concern goes to the draft next year and how it affects the Indians. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if, oh, how they institute that. It'll be kind of annoying if that's how it goes. Anyway, let's just get right into the draft. So, um, do you want to start with just some overall thoughts or do you just want to, you want to go into the players? Um, I'll go into the, just some overall thoughts on the draft. I, I think kind of a recapping of the draft altogether. So I look at it as a whole kind of step back for a second. And I find the demographics that the Indians drafted pretty interesting. Uh, they went a little bit older than normal for them um, on the pitching side. And even even uh, Milan Tolentino 
is an older prep kid for the Indians. Uh, Daniel Espino had been the oldest prep they had drafted since 18.4 at the time of the draft last year. Um, but looking at the overall class, um, you know, I, I think you get three prep position players and then three college pitchers who are all a little bit older than normal for the Indians. So it's an, inter an interesting take um, as a whole. The young prep position players are a pretty safe demographic or generally the safest demographic when it comes to selecting prep players. Um, on the other side, when it comes to selecting arms, you're going to be safer taking college arms. Of course, seeing some guys that are a little bit older, perhaps they've gotten a chance to see a longer track record. So I wonder how all of that came into play for the Indians. Um, I will also add in there that Carson Tucker, uh, PD Halpin, and Milan Tolentino were all part of the all-star game, uh, the high school all-star game that took place in Cleveland last year. So there's an interesting um, connection that the maybe the Indians got to make uh, some relationships there last year and were a little bit more familiar with these players, and that's why they were comfortable taking them where they did. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with um, just wondering overall – the track record thing. I think that's, you know, the Indians didn't see Carson Tucker a lot, obviously, because I mean, they saw him before his senior year, but his senior years was started to make him pop a little bit, but the other guys had a little more track record, I guess. Um, and they know, they know Tolentino from his brother playing in the system a little bit, maybe, you know, Logan Allen pitched four years, Tanner Burns pitched four years. So maybe a little more familiarity there and, and, trying to go the safe route when you don't have a lot of rounds, maybe make up for players you don't hit on. Do you want to find guys in the system that are going to help you? What Maybe if they don't make the biggest impact um, and then spread that bonus around. I think for me, their draft board, it must've been much different than we anticipated going forward. I know you and, and Jared both thought highly of Carson Tucker, maybe high, higher than anybody else did um, in the industry. And he does kind of fit the Indians in a lot of respects, but I really think they, I want to say, I don't want to say zig and everybody else zag, but they, they maybe played a little bit less risk and opportunistic than they did in past years when they had more rounds to make up for it is my thought. And that's why they maybe had a bit of a different approach to the draft in a shorter draft than they have the last couple of years when there were clearly players on the board that would have fit their mold in the past. Um, and, and certainly guys, you know, we all thought that fit them. We, we, you and I were tweeting all night, this guy fits here, this guy fits here. And then, you know, the Indians passed on all those guys, guys we thought made a ton of sense. And um, they maybe wound up with, couple of those guys I and mean, the guys they ended up with did fit their mold to a, t uh, to a sense, but maybe just not the way they played in the last couple of years, I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. There's a, two things I'll add in here is one, we both know that there was rumors that they were looking at a, another player at 23 uh, and then backed out of that deal. Um, and also the relationship that the Indian scout in Arizona had, with Carson Tucker's brother, Cole Tucker, came into play as well. So he knew Carson from scouting uh, Cole. And that's something I picked up um, from 
Scott Barnsby's comments on Wednesday night that the area scout in Arizona already knew Carson Tucker and already had a good relationship with him. So he, they have known him for a while. So there's there's some track record coming into play for Carson Tucker there. Uh, and part of be, part of the reason being he's you know the pick there at, at 123. Uh, you mentioned you know I'm a little higher on him than the industry. Of course, a lot of it is projection. So seeing a kid that's a shortstop that's made these additions, he was a solid second round pick coming into the season. But for him to go to gain three inches, to gain 15 pounds of muscle, you know, it it projects well physically for him. Um, knowing where he was at and where he is now, I look at that, and then a lot of my a lot of my rankings um, kind of weighs in on projection. Where do I see this guy? Do I see this guy as a three starter? Do I see this guy as an everyday shortstop? So I consider some of those things when I rank guys. You know, Tanner Burns, I, I slipped a forty-two on um, because I don't think he has a high upside, but I do think he has a quick return value. So I think that's part of getting Tanner Burns at 36 is the quick return value there. You get a, a number three at best, but a, a solid number four starter uh, who should be up uh, or should be up in the upper levels of the minor leagues for the Indians in just a couple of years. Yeah. So let's, <clears throat> let's dig right into the players. We're going to, we're going to talk about each of the uh, six guys here. So let's dig into first. So, 23rd overall was Carson Tucker. Um, like you mentioned, high school shortstop out of Mountain Point, Arizona. Uh, younger brother of Cole Tucker, 18.4 in draft day, which, you know, we talked about is a little bit older for the Indians from a prep standpoint. Um, 6'1", a buck 75, which is bigger than he was as a junior. I think he was, what, 5'11", a buck 60? Yeah. It's not, okay, so he gained uh, a little bit from the age of 17 to 18. Um, you had him at 36 on your draft board. Baseball America had him at 61. Um, MLB Pipeline had him at 52. And Fangraphs had him at 54. So you were the highest on any of them. And there were some you know, late rumors you mentioned about him going to the Indians. I saw some mocks at 36. Um, I did not see him going at 23. But then I read today that um, – I think Jeff Ellis said it. You said it. There was no way he was going to be – was going to be there at um, 36. So if the Indians really wanted Carson Tucker, it was going to have to be at 23 at this point. So I thought you could, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, because you know more about these guys, more about the draft than I do. My thought here is <clears throat> the Indians like the, the, the physical jump he had while maintaining his athleticism. Um, I think the only question at shortstop for him is probably the arm. Is my, is my thinking, and they're thinking that maybe the jump in physical stature is going to help him add some power. He already has good contact, um, and even if he doesn't play, stay at shortstop, he can play second base potentially, and I, I did see Eric Long and Hagan on Fangraph say that potentially, um, if that doesn't work out, he can play center field because he has the speed because in addition to getting stronger, he got faster um, with that jump as well. So I think <clears throat> the Indians capitalized and took somebody they thought had he played an entire 2020 senior season in Arizona in high school, that he might have gone above 23, and they thought they could get him under the 2.93 million that uh, 930,000 bonus at 23, and get a player that they thought would have been higher in the draft had there been a normal season. Does that sound about right? 
Yeah, uh, you know, I, I mentioned the rumors on Monday at the end of the podcast about uh, a rumor tying the Indians to, to Tucker at 23. But there were also rumors that he could go potentially uh, number 17 to the Red Sox for an underslot uh, value there. And it looks like that's what the Red Sox did. So I, I assume that Tucker probably was in play there and then kind of fell down to the Indians. And, and in fact, um, Prospects Live and their player breakdown mentioned that, you know, Tucker was considered by some teams the number one prep shortstop in the class. So that says a lot about his talent and, and how we viewed him um, as fans and also how maybe other professional evaluators see him too. Uh, rankings are rankings. They're, you know, you players get caught in numbers sometimes or, or very similar to guys and they drop because of their similarities and things. So I try not, try not to get too tied into the number next to the guy and look at the talent and the upside that's there. You know, how far does he have to come to actually reach that too? Um, you know, I, I don't think Tucker has to move off of shortstop. I think he does have enough arm. Everything that I've seen and heard on him indicates that he does. Although any grade I've seen on the arm has been average. I've heard more above average nowadays. Uh, and in fact, his brother, when he broke him down and was talking about him, said he's actually six foot two, 180 now. So I don't know if he's continued to grow or, or if brother knows best, you know. <laughs> um, but but I, I do think you see the physical jump and the physicality playing out on the field. And that's part of the jump in the, in the rankings too, is they're projecting some of what we didn't get to see play out this year. Yeah. I do think the Indians felt like that jump would have placed him higher on, he would have gone higher if he had played the full season. Cause what he had two home runs in three games, uh, his senior season before the season got canceled. I think he had won all of his junior year. So I already saw some of the power coming into play early in the season. I think getting into like the bloodlines. I just think overall they knew they'd get him under slot. They knew he could play short. I'm projecting on the physical tools to develop now that he's starting to get bigger. Um, and thought maybe he'd be a better value there. And obviously they can save money a little bit. You know, it's kind of trading down, um, which made a ton of sense. To me, I, I wasn't really Super excited about the pick initially, I will say. Just initial reaction, I thought um, it was a little underwhelming just because it seemed like it was a another kid who could play a solid shortstop, had a pretty good hit tool, not much power. Um, it's not really an exciting profile, 23, not if it was on the board, you know, because at that point, you know, we were talking throughout the night. We thought for sure one of those prep arms were going to go to them at 23. Um, you know, and Nick Bitsko was there. Actually, Tyler Soder, uh, Soderstrom had fallen to that point, a catcher. Um, so there were a number of prep players that fell to them. They could have gotten that we previously had talked about, whether it was through, you know, you would writing about it or podcasting or the um, prospects live mock draft and Nick Bitsko goes a pick after them. So I think initially I had some disappointment there because I thought for sure we'd see them go prep arm. If one fell to them at 23 and then maybe go someone like Carson Tucker at 36 um, but maybe more of a college player instead of a prep player, but someone with that skill set who's a little more of a safer, um, you know, middle infielder, which is what Tampa Bay also did, taking Bitsko and then Alika Williams, who uh, Alika Williams had some connections to the Indians as well. Um, do you feel good about the pick overall? Do you feel like they, they might have passed up on, on a better player um, by taking Tucker there? So, you know, I look at my big board, 
my number 10 player eligible. Um, and that's Nick Bitsko. And then the number 11 player available too, if you want to go the college route, which is Cole Wilcox. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you've got these two guys sitting right there and they come with Carson Tucker. So going with Carson Tucker told me immediately that this is about saving some money, but also about getting a kid that they really like too. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I felt like it was shifting some of the uh, slots to later picks um, in the draft and that they were trying to go for a pick by going for higher level quality. So going more quantity, so to speak, but also going more quality overall. So I felt like they were trying to spread the wealth here in this draft. Um, you know, I could be wrong. It could be a player that they said, hey, if he played an entire season, he wouldn't be here right now. And I actually agree with that assessment. I think he would have been a lot higher had he uh, got to play a full season. Just getting to see the power and the speed that he was starting to produce this this spring. Um, you know, personally, if I'm on the clock and I'm making that pick, I'm either going Wilcox or Bitsko. And a lot of that will depend on the finances behind that, too. So whichever one of the two of them I could get uh, at a more affordable rate, I would pay those guys and then make the rest of it work it is how I would have played it out. But, you know, I, I understand um, trying to get more quality and quantity at the same time. Um, what it does is it protects your overall draft class. Uh, you know, you want to get something out of this class and, and have something to show for it. And I don't think maybe that – didn't come into play or didn't come into thought for them. But when you get six guys that are quality players and you're able to spread the wealth and get better players because of it, you know, I I think it's a safer approach to this class that you really don't have all the background information on as far as uh, getting to see these guys play, play out the spring. Yeah, I do agree with you on Tucker. Like I said before, I would have been much higher a pick if he had played a full senior season. Let's let's talk about Cole Wilcox real quick because you mentioned him. Eric Longenhag and I want to say a fan graphs thought that was going to be the pick, and then there was a late shift. And um, I don't know if anybody else said it. I, I definitely remember seeing the tweet from him saying it was going to be Wilcox or Cleveland at, at twenty three. Um, he wants to have been. It seems to have been mentioned on the Prospects Live broadcast as well, from my understanding. I didn't see it myself, um, but was told that they mentioned it. Um, so th- I find it interesting. The Indians do like to go with the um, talent down there in Georgia quite a bit. So, you know, I would not be surprised if this is a real scenario that, uh, you know, it just didn't come about, but um, it, it's interesting to hear him tied to the Indians. And as I said, he's somebody I have 11 on my board. So a very highly rated pr- player. I could see, um, could see why there would be interest there but i could also see why the indians would back out of it because you're sinking a lot of money into into one guy and and more than likely going over slot to get him yeah three million definitely is a lot to go i mean the slot okay so the slot there's two point nine hundred thirty thousand. um so three million is not you know is is not a ton over their slot but obviously you're going over number one at 23 and you've got five picks left. So you're not exactly giving yourself any wiggle room on seeing guys who fall. So you've really got to make sure that you're confident in Cole Wilcox and he's only a red, you know, a a draft eligible sophomore um, who has great stuff, but you know, we're not really sure on the command overall and, and and not really sure on the third pitch. So that would have been quite the risk. I would have been okay with it. 
Um, but it really would have affected how the rest of their draft went. So I can see how they, why, where they went back if they thought that they were going to have to overpay to sign him. I'll be interested. It already sounds like the Padres have a deal with him, um, despite the fact that he ends up dropping to 80, which is a lot farther than everybody else thought he would go. But um, would have been would have been a great pick. But, yeah, I'm okay with Tucker because the, the way the rest of the draft went, they were able to fit some really good quality players um, behind that. So at 36 on day one, the competitive balance a round uh, there's Tanner Burns, uh, university of Auburn, right-hander, 21.4 years old, six foot two Oh five. Will you had him at 42 baseball American had him at 26 uh, MLB pipeline, 28 and fan graphs, 56. So he was ranked on average between our, our site and the other three, um, 38. So that ends up fitting where he ends up going. The slot there is 2 million and 500. Um, it seems like he'll come in just below slot, if not right at there. Um, so what are your thoughts on going Tanner Burns? I know he's someone we discussed last week and he's someone we had discussed at different points throughout the draft and, um, we weren't really super excited about the profile initially. So what are your thoughts after taking him? He fits the, the Indians profile as far as what they look for. He's not too old of a college player. So not young, not old, kind of maybe average age. Um, I think the slider, the fastball, the track record, when I went back and I looked at his walk rates, I think he's around 2.85 career walk rate in the SEC. That's outstanding. That tells me he's got above average control. Uh, you pair that with a fastball that sits mid-90s and touches 97, and then a slider that's above average. Um, and, you know, it, as I said, the profile isn't very exciting. I think he could flash number three starter and, and probably play at that level for a few years. I think you're looking at more of a number four type of starter. Um, I think he moves relatively quickly because of his ability to mix and match. Um but also with the control. And that's something I would add to all three of the arms the Indians got. They, they all have excellent control. All um, all should not take very long to develop. Um, but as far as Burns go, you know, we mentioned him back at the Prospects Live. Uh, we were actually talking about him at one point going number 23 in, in the Prospects Live mock draft. Um, I know Prospects Live sat on him, so to speak, uh, and, and have been mocking him to the Indians at 23 for some time. So him to go at, at 36, I think part of it is you have a number of college arms that are very similar. So somebody of quality, uh, a quality arm is going to be there and, and probably slide at some point. And I think the Indians grabbed a guy that they liked um, there at 36. As far as his ranking for me, you know, coming into play uh, again, as I said earlier about projection, and where do I think he ends up? I think most of his career, he's a number four starter. I think that the appeal to him is the quick turnaround, but I think it, it's a very solid pick there. Um, you know, I, I kind of look at guys in groups or tiers anyways, and less by individual numbers. And it's part of the reason I wait last minute to start stacking guys by, by numbers and saying this guy's 52 or this guy's 37 or, or whatever the number is assigned to him. Um, I like to put them all in tiers and, and kind of compare them that way and, and group my number four starters together, group my number five starters together, group everyday shortstops 
you know, with guys that are going to be other everyday players who have value. Um, so I, I think that's a valuable pick there. I think he comes in under slot. I, I'm putting him at one and a quarter million. Um, no need to go above that, in my opinion. And I think he'd be happy to take it. Yeah, at a four-year four junior, that makes a ton of sense. He's definitely a, a plug-and-play kind of <clears throat> pitcher. I think the only issue with him is the shoulder injury he's, uh, issues he's had in the past. Not really an injury, but he sat out a start last year and then had some limitations in the College World Series because of the shoulder and um, the velocity holding, his stuff holding you know, throughout the whole season. But he's made plenty of starts for Auburn. So he's you know been mostly durable. It's just the, It was the late shoulder issue for him last season, I think bumped him down. And um, to me, another guy that had he played a full 2020 season and he'd been healthy all year, I'm not sure he's available to the Indians 36. Like I, like I said, with Tucker, I, I feel the same way. If he had played a, had played a full 2020 season, he may not be there at 23 or maybe um, he's just expected to be there and, and not someone that got mocked later to them. And then the same with Burns. I feel like he would have risen up draft boards too if he had played a full season being healthy. But you can see why the Indians do like the package, like you said. It's it's physically he doesn't really – they haven't been scared off by this type in the past, um, even though he doesn't have the most physically exciting profile. But, you know, he's got command of all of his pitches. He's not afraid to throw – you know, he throws a lot of strikes, throws in the, in the mid-90s, and, you know, all the pitches are average to above average. So it fits the mold there. And he's someone – I don't know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the minor league season this year, obviously, but he's someone um, potentially by 2022, you're looking at at least by, you know, maybe double A or triple A knocking on the door, don't you think? Oh, easily. Yeah, as I said, he's a guy I think moves relatively quickly and is knocking on the door. Uh, I put a two-year timetable on him, and that may be short, or or that may be long for him. I I think he's a, a fast track arm because of his stuff, but also because of his ability to pitch. There were other guys on the board that we liked besides Burns at that point. Um, I guess you probably could have assumed they were going to go college at 36 once they went with uh, Tucker at 23. So they weren't going to go Alika Williams, obviously, because they were linked to him earlier in that day. But Dylan Dingler was still there. Um, There are a number of college arms that were still there. There are a couple of college outfielders that were there. Anybody they passed on that you thought were better fits? I mean, obviously we know that Burns fits the mold and, and you know, with the, the command and the above average pitches and, and being able to throw strikes and move fast. But is there anybody else that they passed on that would have been a better fit or better value at 36 as far as, you know, they're getting a talented player, but also getting someone who would have filled Burns' slot where he's coming in just below? So Dylan Dingler was uh, tied to the Indians quite a bit. Um, I was never quite sure about that just because of age. That was the one thing that really held me back on, on Dingler, uh, not his ability. I, I think he's going to be a solid catcher. I don't think he's going to be a great catcher, but I think he's going to be a um, a very good defender. Looking down the board, uh, you know, as you and I talked throughout the process leading up to the draft, I think we both felt like they would go bat in a and an arm, and then probably one would be a college guy, and the other guy would be a prep player. Um, obviously, Jared Kelly was there. There was a lot of mocks had him. He doesn't quite fit the Indian style because he doesn't have the big slider. 
um, but does have a double plus change up um, a bit older too. Uh, that's definitely one that I would have probably harder at. Um, Chris McMahon, a, a right-hand starting pitcher from Miami, somebody I really liked. Um, and Jim Callis linked to the Indians, a guy with above average control too, and a, and a plus, I believe, changeup. Um, Cole Henry from LSU, the uh, sophomore eligible uh, right-hander. He's a guy that has been posting above average spin rates, uh, mid-90s fastball. You know, he's somebody I think that they would have had interested in in at um, 56. He ended up going uh, 55 if Cole Henry had slipped there. But I, I think Cole Henry could have been a pick at 36 because, you know, he's he's that quality of an arm. And I expect he'll end up going over slot for the for the Nationals. So those guys, I think, are all all players that I think, you know, could have been in conversation. I know we had uh, JT Jin mocked to the end to the Indians at pick 23. Um, a lot of that is taking the best value on the board there um, with a player going to miss the entire season anyways, and, and likely not to have any uh, minor league season. Why not go for an injured guy who's probably going to come in under, well, not under slot for him, or maybe a little under slot for him, um, but really looking at value and what is he actually worth compared to his peers and if he was healthy, I think you're talking about a top 10 arm. So potentially that was a guy, you know, to look at. Uh, Dax Bolton, the, the big lefty that ended up going to the Marlins, another guy. Um, really the one I keyed in on there, thinking that they were going to go with an arm. Of course, Burns was in the conversation, whether, um, you know, whether I wanted him to be or not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Chris McMahon, who had a shorter track record and, and has had some health injuries himself, um, a knee injury in high school, some shoulder inflammation last year. He missed three starts, I think, at the beginning of the year. So there's, the thing is, is you're not going to get the perfect prospects, so to speak. These guys are, especially pitchers, are going to have some dings and dents along the way. Um, but I look at, you know, the ability to repeat the, the delivery, how is their stuff come along, Um the Indians really emphasize, you know, the, the pitcher's control. So I, I think that's something that they looked at. And then also the afford, affordability, so to speak, issue when you're considering how do you want to use this this pool money and what can you get? And, and who's to say that, you know, um, some of these other guys don't come in significantly more than Burns. So maybe Burns was a value pick there being able to uh, recoup some money that they could spend later, because I feel like they did with some of these later picks. Yeah. You mentioned JT again. I, I thought that was going to be the pick there, to be honest. I thought that was, a, it made a lot of sense at 36 because they were going to have some savings from Tucker. I think Ginn was probably not going to, you know, Ginn might've probably taken slot at, at 36, possibly maybe a little bit over, but they would have had a little bit extra money possibly at that at that space and i know spending over slot on a guy who just had tommy john and you don't know what's going to happen um is going to miss the year you know they didn't use that, did that with brady aiken and it did not work out very well um so maybe that was part of the thinking not going that way but i thought it would have been a good pick at 36 because like you said that you're going to miss the whole there's not going to be a minor league season anyway so there wasn't really much difference and um 
a kid who's already been drafted high and didn't sign and, and someone that would have gone higher had he not been healthy anyway. So like you said, you're going value there. So I thought that would have made a lot of sense, but um, I can see why they were maybe the not eager to go back to that well and, and then go over slot on a, on a kid who just had Tommy John and, and seeing as that didn't work out for them before, but I still like him. I think he's going to end up getting um, over slot for where he ended up going. Um, he ended up going to the Mets at, at 50 at 52. Um, I wonder if the Indians might've gone that route at 56, um, but instead at 56, he's not there and the Indians end up with uh, Logan Allen. So, the Indians now have two Logan Allens in the system. Both are left-handed pitchers. And this one's 21.8, almost 22 years old. Um, six foot, 180, so not as big as the other Logan Allen. The other Logan Allen's 6'5 and about 240. Um, so there's your first difference uh, from FIU. So uh, you had him at 61. <clears throat> BA had him at 54. OB pipeline 46 and fan graphs um, at 57. So um, kind of explain the Indians thinking here, because to me, this is a, a left-handed Tanner Burns, I kind of think. Yeah, pretty good comparison for me. Kind of uh, boring stuff, so to speak. He's not a guy that's going to burn the fastball in there. He sits low 90s, 90, 91. You're going to see a lot. He does touch 93, 94 on occasion. Um, you know, he's got the, the plus secondaries um, or the plus change up and then a, a good curveball, if I remember correctly. You know, I look at the slot there at, at one, 1. 1.28 million. I'm guessing he comes in under slot. They save a little bit of money for, for the next two picks to follow. Um, you know, I, again, another guy that I think he's athletic, he repeats his delivery. He's a left-handed pitcher. They need more lefties in in the uh, system, in, in my opinion. I'm not saying that's why they grabbed him. It is unusual to see them uh, grab an older college player, though. Uh, one of the oldest um, college juniors that I've seen them draft in some time. In fact, I've seen college seniors the similar age that they've drafted. So, you know, I look at a guy that's almost 22, and he is what he is. And there's not going to be a lot of changing that unless they make some mechanical changes. Um, there's not a lot of projection left for him. That being said, I look at him as a number four, number five type of starter. I think he's going to be a very solid um, back of the rotation arm. Again, a guy that moves quickly because of the advanced control. I I would say he is above average to plus. I don't like to use plus for control or command for God. I know a lot of say that. I, I don't like to either, but he's a guy that could fall. Um, does a good job mixing it up and, and keeping the hitters off um, off of his stuff. You know, his average ranking, they're, they're all very similar, all very well within, you know, range of each other. I mean, look, 61 to 54 is not a good gap. Or 46 is a little bit larger. I think they liked him because of his polish. Um, I dropped him because of his age. You know, that, it's kind of a fact. So he is what he is, and there's not a huge upside there. Uh, again, kind of like Burns, um, a guy that slides down a little bit because he doesn't offer a whole lot of upside. He doesn't offer a lot of projection, but again, very solid. So I think uh, just a solid ranking, and I think it's along the lines of everyone else's there. Um, and overall, it averaged out to about a 55. So within range to me, I, I think um, 
as I said, a guy that moves quickly, a guy that I think is in the upper uh, levels of the system within a few years. Yeah, the Indians seem to have unlocked, um, I don't know, Shane Bieber really took a, a massive leap. I don't know if anybody could have predicted the leap he took. Um, I think Aaron Savali, we haven't seen a lot of him at the major league level, but when those two are coming through the system, um, they both look very similar. And I think Allen's got a chance to do somewhat a similar track to what those two have. And, you know, he already, he throw he has the same kind of command they have. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I would say Bieber's got better command than Savali, but it's close. Um, you know, Bieber just has double plus command. It's hard for anybody else to be that good. Um, so Logan Allen probably trails a little bit there just, you know, by default, but he's close to it or close to Savali, but throws, you know, three or four above average pitches that he can locate. And like you said, the velocity plays up a little bit due to location, which, you know, does sound like Bieber does sound like uh, Savali a little bit. And, you know, Bieber ended up with two breaking balls, plus the changeup that he developed that became plus pitches partially due to command, but also just because they, you know, he improved the grip, he improved the trajectory, he improved, um, just a lot of things about those pitches spin and, and same with Savali. I think Savali's secondary stuff also improved um, on their own rather than just how good they are for being for how he, how he commands those pitches. And I think Logan Allen, it wouldn't be a surprise to see him come along in the same fashion where, you know, they're maybe not exciting pitches, but they're average. And you see like the change up or the curveball end up popping a little bit more um, just through development. I think that's maybe why the Indians felt comfortable with him because they felt like he kind of fit the same profile and, and someone they could help turn, you know, what are three fives on a pitch into, into 155 or 150, you know, or 60 possibly because the command is already 55 or 60. Um, like you said, he is a little bit older, so that was surprised. Didn't quite, you know, fit their mold there, but um, – you know, they like guys who can throw strikes and who can throw strikes with all their pitches. And they're not afraid of, they're not afraid of smaller stature. And they're not afraid of guys who are sitting in the low nineties because they were able to help Beaver and Savali both throw a little bit harder too. So I think I have to think track record in developing that, that kind of arm played into it more so than the age. Would you agree? Yeah. I don't even think age was a factor for them because of the, their comfort with his command and, and his ability to control the ball. Um, you know, I look at all three of these guys and I, I'll tell you now, I think each of them will probably pick up a, a mile or two um, that we'll see more often. They probably won't sit there, but I think we'll, we'll see them um, track a little bit further North and velocity. I'll put it to you that way. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe Allen is sitting 91, 92 more often and, and touching 94 or 95 when he has to um same thing with burns who who sits mid 90s already and flashes a, a 96 and 97 on occasion i think you just see him flash that a little bit more and be a little bit more consistent consistent with their upper end uh level of velocity where they're comfortable at and then you look at a guy like mason hickman and you know again he's a guy i'll say that has plus command plus control um fourth pitch mix and, and he's low 90s um, you know, I, I expect him to pick up a few miles an hour. I think they'll unlock something in, in his uh, delivery. And 
you know, pick up a few here and there. So he, he already sits low 90s and touches 92. Maybe he's in at 93, 94. That's the difference between him being a number five starter or even being a number three or four starter. You know, of course, he'd have to bring along the other pitches that he has. But just a mile or two an hour will make a huge difference for these guys. With that type of command and control that they all show already, you know, and the Indians track record, I'm, I'm very encouraged that we're going to see some guys be a little bit better um, than what they look like they may be right now. That's fair. And I think Alan fits that for sure. So the fourth, uh, their fourth pick third round. Um, this is kind of where I got excited. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just the preference I have in the, and the draft and the preference I had in this draft specifically, but um, so they went with Petey Halpin, who is a high school outfielder from California, um, right at 18 years old, six foot of buck 80. Um, you had him at 55. BA's got him at 92. MLB Pipeline, 76. Fangraphs, 59. So I feel like he kind of slipped on everyone's board. And the Indians probably liked him anyway, but I, I, I'm wondering at this point, did they see Halpin and did they say, you know, this is a kid who's sliding back and we like him enough where we would have taken him earlier, but we liked some other guys before. And um, maybe they thought he wasn't going to get to 96. So once they did get him to 96, they, they jumped all over that. What do you, do you think that Halpin was in their plans all along? Or do you think that when they saw him get down to 96, that it was somebody that had too much potential and upside, they couldn't pass up on at that point. So I looked at the age demographic pretty hard at, at these picks and kind of the tiers again, so to speak. And another player that pops up is David Calabrese, who went 82. Um, you know, I, I compare Halpin and him, and I and I have Halpin ranked higher. And, in fact, I think I had Calabrese ranked 72. So I'm a little bit higher on those guys. Young guys, a lot of projection left. Um there were there was talk yesterday that Halpin was a hard sign. Maybe that was part of him dropping there. Um, to me, he talent wise, he was a, a second round pick, just below the the big five or six outfielders that went you know toward the first round. Um, he does all of the the sexy tools, so to speak, but he's a little bit younger than all of them as well. So I, I think, you know, they're getting a player that's young and just tapping into. Um, you know, I, I think the bat is average. Uh, I think the power is going to come around to average, but I also think the bat's going to turn into an above average bat. So, you know, quality often, uh, he's not going to hit a whole lot of home runs. Um, but a, a kid with plus speed and a plus arm and, and then solid defensively, he's not a great defender, but he's a solid center field prospect. And, and I think, you know, my guess is he probably comes in at, at one and a half or, or one and a quarter million uh, over slot um, total uh, for for him, you know, to get him signed. So I was very happy with that pick. And, and in fact, you know, I, I've tweeted, um, can I have more than one favorite? And, and Halpin was my favorite uh, day two pick, I, I, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I really wanted to see them grab one of the three outfielders I like the most. Now, the first, obviously, Pete Crow Armstrong uh, did not fall to them at 23. And then there were some people who thought he would. And I didn't. I would have been surprised if he dropped the 23. I think a lot, a lot of weird things did happen, to be honest, in the first round. Um, 
but not weird enough for Pete, uh, for Pete Crow Armstrong to get to 23, who we talked about a little bit last week. I liked him. Um, I think I liked D- David Calabrese a little bit more. The Canadian outfielder was probably my favorite among the three. And I like Petey Halpin um, just behind that. So I wanted to see one of those three wind up in Cleveland and Calabrese, you know, Calabrese uh, was still on the board for the Indians at 56. I didn't even bring that up before we moved on, but um I thought maybe there was a chance after they went Tucker and Burns, two guys that were probably under slot that they could have gone Calabrese at 56 and probably got him right for the slot and potentially under. Cause you know, we talked about it last week. You said for Calabrese that if he, he reclassified, it means he wants to play ball. And I think he would have taken about a million or 1.2 to sign at 56. So I thought he would have been a good fit there the way they had gone, but they end up, you know, going Logan Allen there another arm that can move fast, but they recovered and went happen. I think I'm, I'm with you in agreeing that he's my favorite day two pick. I think that, uh, I don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem like the power is going to be anything more than average in the future. He's not a real big kid. He'll get, you know, maybe a little bit bigger, um, but not a ton, but he's got a great arm. He should be a good defender. He plays the game really hard. He enjoys playing the game. And um, as long as the hit tools, you know, can get to, 55 or 60 and you bring the bat along, you know, into the 50 range, given his arm and his speed and his potential defense, you know, you've got a really nice player who could potentially play in center field or move to a corner. Um, the arm would certainly play in right field. I would think too. Yeah. There's possibilities of three plus tools with him. The the bat included in the arm and the speed. So, I mean, very intriguing kid. I, I really like the pick there. Um, you know, as you said, Calabrese could have went there. If if I'm picking there, I take Halpin. Um, I believe he was the highest-ranked uh, player that I liked there that, that kind of fit. Um, you know, going back to Logan Allen pick, I, I think Logan Allen comes in a little bit under slot, maybe $1.1 million or something like that. Um, and what I think the Indians were doing was, was going with a college player there that they liked at 56. And then at 95, 95 is the last protected pick. In, in the first three rounds. So you go for a guy who's going to get a pretty large bonus. And if you don't end up signing him, you're protected because you get that pick back next year. Now I'm not saying I think Halpin isn't going to sign. I, I do believe in fact that he is based on um, Scott Barnsby's comments last night that, you know, they've already got agreements in place with all of these players or, or so it seems um, that indicates to me also a, a player of his ability or, the way I see him anyways, as a second round talent, you know, he's a kid that's probably getting 1.5 million or one and a quarter million there to sign. Um, so he's probably 900,000 over slot, you know, so that, it's a significant um, boost. I, I could be wrong. You know, he may not get that much, but I, I would be surprised if he doesn't get over a million dollars. I'll put it to you that way. Uh, definitely worth the investment to me. And, and that type of a, a toolsy, outfielder that that could be a lot better and as i said earlier very young too yeah i think they'll get help in the system i i gotta be honest i don't think there's anybody they drafted they didn't think they're gonna sign there's a lot of risk involved i know you get the pick back last you know next year but i think there's a lot of risk involved where you have a five-round draft and you take someone who you're not confident could sign um that really messes things up with your class and your system so yeah it's different when you have a 40 you know when you have 40 rounds you're probably only going to sign, you know, maybe 30, maybe 31 
on any given year. When you got five, I think you really want to make sure you're going to sign all five. Back to Allen, too, real quickly. You know, you mentioned that you think he's going to come over slot, under slot. Jeff Ellis yesterday, you know, friend of the site, former writer and, and good friend, thinks that Logan Allen is going to be above that slot. I'm really interested to see what happens now because I think you and I agree that Allen's older for a junior. He's already pitched four college, already had four college seasons. Going back as a fifth-year senior and, you know, another good draft class next year and not knowing how the draft's going to play out next year because we have no idea what society is going to look like a year from now. It would seem bizarre that he would, you know, if the Indians offered him slot or below and he says, no, he wants over slot and goes back to college because then I don't think he really gains any money. Like I said before, I feel like if he goes back next year, I don't know if he's going above 56. And if he does, I think someone's taking him so they can get him under slot. So what does he stand to gain? Like 300,000 max, maybe next year at best. Um, so I'm not really sure the reason I, I trust Jeff and I know Jeff knows what he's talking about. Um, you obviously are both on, on different viewpoints here on, on this, on the slot thing. But, um, to me, the logic says that he's going to sign under slot. I don't see, I don't see the leverage where he would be able to ask for over and get it and not hurt himself by going back into the draft next year. Yeah. And, you know, I know major league teams don't use the rankings like we do, but I'm sure he's not that high up boards either when there's, when there's a a lot of other players or a lot of other picks that went by, you know, and he's there at 56 still. and, And he is a quality pitcher and I'm not trying to down him, but, you know, look at the rankings and he's, averages about 55 and he goes pick 56 you know I think it's a pretty good indicator of where he is talent wise and in slot there is 1.28 million I offer him less than that because he's almost 22 and I I, you know if I'm the player I take it and I trust that I'm going to develop quickly in the Indian system I'm going to get to the big leagues and I'm going to get paid as a free agent in several years you know so I mean that's my approach if I'm the player I'd be happy to get over a million dollars considering I'm almost 22 years old too in that, you know, pick range and and to come to like the Indians, an organization that's developing pitching like they are. uh, I think it's hard to argue with that argument, like, Hey, take the money and and develop quick, get there and get paid and then reach free agency faster. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It'll be interesting to see. What ends up happening there? So we talked about Logan Allen. We talked about Petey Halpin. I think for me, at at, 50, at 96, we took Petey Halpin, um, the only player on the board. I, I was totally fine with that pick. It was the first pick I was probably super excited about and didn't feel like they passed up some better value or better player at that point. But the only guy I think left for me at that point was, um, I don't know, I'm going to say Hunter Barnhart was probably my favorite player at that point. But um, – yeah, I like Barnard too. Yeah, I know we, we talked about him a lot in the past, and he's a guy we we took with the in the mock draft uh, with Prospects Live because um, he's a big high school right-hander who was a good athlete and, play, and played quarterback and was actually the MVP of his league um, in high school for quarterback at quarterback. Um, kind of had some traits similar to to um, Zach Plesac, so I thought maybe there was a chance there, but. Um, given that Halpin fell at that point, like you said, Halpin was a, se- a second round talent and he's there at 95, definitely no reason not to jump on the value there. So I had no issues with that pick. Um, even though the Rays end up taking Hunter Barnhart, I'm going to be honest, the Rays took, um, 
Bitsko, even though I didn't like Alika Williams, I understood that he's a good athlete and plays good shortstop and has some contact skills to balance. It would have balanced out the, um, the bonus pools a little bit. And then they went Barnhart. <laughs> the Rays had the draft up through 90, 97 picks. I thought the Indians were going to have, I got to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, I really thought the Indians would go prep arm early there. Uh, I, I think, you know, things were set up them for them to do that, but they felt like going in another direction. And, you know, I, I think they kind of played it safe with all six picks. Um, I, I think you do have some upside with these position players here. Um, not a whole lot of upside with the college arms, but very solid guys nonetheless. And all three of them will move quickly. So you're getting a quick investment or a quick return on your investment. Uh, overall, I think, you know, they did a, a, a pretty good job. Um, I don't like slapping grades on there, you know. Um, oh, I, no, I like no. the picks. I, I think you get a little, a good mix of, of both projection and stability, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. Like, like we said, definitely in a five-round draft, that does matter. Um, 124, the fourth round, the Indians took um, – is it Milan or Milan? Do you know? Milan. Okay, Milan Tolentino, who uh, – a little bit older, again, for a prep player, 18.6, um, out of Santa Margarita Catholic High School in California, a shortstop. Uh, I've got him at 6'1", a buck 80. Um, you had him at 103 on your board. Again, I probably should clarify, and I think you've mentioned this already, just because where you have a guy on your board, you're just ranking overall value. You're not ranking where they're going to go because teams have different, you know, values. And then, you know, even if a guy, a team has a guy at, at 23 and, uh, or have, has a guy at 36 and they take him at 23, that doesn't or If they take a guy at 23 and they have him at 36, doesn't mean they're, they're passing up better players. They maybe are, but they're passing up, you know, or they're, they're, arranging their their bonus so this is more overall talent versus where we think you know you think guys are going to go i should clarify that um yeah i, I look baseball at it as a talent tier so to speak so when you look at my mm-hmm. rankings um you see 36 42 61 55 that's four second round picks 103 just barely misses a third round pick so that's that's a significant amount of talent, you know. Um, One forty three, and, and I did stack the guys in, in order of preference whenever I went back and, and actually had assigned a number to them. But it, it also fits. Uh, it's kind of a combination of talent tier for me, you know. And um, looking at Tucker, I see a comp A or a second round, early second round, you know, player. So put him in 36. Same thing with Burns, a, a comp A or an early second round player. Um, Allen, I see solid middle of the second round player. Uh, Pete Halpin, solid middle of the second round player. And then uh, having Tolentino there at 103, a, a guy that I think that could, could go either way, sits right in between the two rounds. Um, back end of the third round, he goes um, in, in the uh, fourth round. So... Um, you know, there was rumors yesterday or not yesterday, but, but before that, um, by Joe Doyle from Lookout Landing, who's a a very reputable writer, um, that was saying Toltino had some talk in round one. And I'm guessing if there was some talk with him, that he was a possibility to the Red Sox who took Nick York at at 17. They were probably looking at him. For an underslot uh, deal, 
Uh, but very interesting that he was being talked about that high. Um, now, as for the player himself, uh, 80, I think he needs to get stronger. Definitely would like to see him add five or 10 pounds of muscle. He's got a solid plus arm already. He can pick it with the glove. I mean, just you got the footwork and the transfer and everything. As far as sticking it short, he can all day. Um, the bat is probably average. The power is the concern I have on him. I put him at below average, and in fact, he's probably a little bit less than that. Um, but also hearing this spring that he's um, gained some added strength and been able to drive the ball. And, and the video I saw on him was from 2019, so it wasn't really fair for me to to say, well, he's less than that when I'm hearing that he's more than that now. Um, I think his future is going to be dictated by his ability to hit and drive the ball. Um, he can't just be a, a guy that hits one or two home runs a year. It's not going to work. Uh, he doesn't have the plus-plus speed or anything like that to get on bases as a, as a slap hitter. Um, he does have above-average av speed, though. You know, So there's some tools here. If he can bring the power along, there's a quality bat as far as it being average. Um, quality defense, quality arm, a lot of tools, a lot of work ahead of him. Bloodlines kid, um, his brother Patrick was in the Indians organization back around, I think, 2010, 11, and 12. Um, who, and he made it all the way up to Columbus for a cup of coffee with the Clippers. Um, and his father was a professional ball player, Jose. He is now the Spanish uh, Spanish announcer for the Angels. So there, there's some good bloodlines there with Valentino. Uh, he's a kid I think could potentially get more than slot there. I'm guessing he probably comes in around a million dollars. As I said, I really feel like the Indians kind of spread the pool around and then played it safe with the last pick with a very solid player in Mississippi. Yeah, Tolentino's not a kid we we talked about. And obviously, we get to this point, you're not going to talk about everybody anyway. But um, like you said, his brother, I, I do remember his brother with the captains specifically as a backup catcher. His career didn't last very long. He was an undrafted free agent, but, um, you know, did serve some some time in Akron and, and briefly in Columbus. Um, yeah, Tolentino will probably stay short. You know, he's got a good glove, even if he doesn't have um, – exciting traits there. I mean, he definitely can play shortstop really. It's a, a no frill swing, right? Like he's got a very um, compact swing. It's very, very quick and, and not a lot of drive behind it, but um, there are some people yourself included who think that if he can put on some weight and, and just get him stronger and, and, you know, ends up being a little better of a bat that he could really be an interesting player. And I guess that's what the Indians think there um, and getting a kid, like you said, had some first round talk maybe to save some bonus, but now where he goes, he gets more money. Um, but you know, the Indians like contact oriented up the middle players and that's where, where Tolentino fits. So um, I guess he's a little bit older again, but I think we can throw age out the window at this point in the draft. We, we see that age was not a, uh, it's been a, it's been a major factor of their model in the past, but in a five round draft, I think it, they kind of threw age out the window and went more, like you said, safe. And I think that had they had to accept that the guys they were taking weren't, weren't going to be a little old for their classes, and Tolentino fits that. But 
you know, he's a polished kid and it just depends on the back comes along. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see him gain about 10 pounds of muscle. Cause I think he would drive the ball with more authority. That that's the difference of rounding out to a shortstop or second base or driving it between them. In my opinion, you know, um, that'll be whether he gets a single or a double or whether he pop flies out or if he's actually hitting it between outfielders too, you know, so the ability to just put the ball into play a little bit better. And I think it comes just by adding some, some muscle to the body, uh, six ton of buck 80. And he doesn't look like he's a, a bodybuilder type, so to speak. And I'm not slighting him by saying that, but I think, you know, get into a professional routine, getting into the, um, getting in, into the training and the dietary regimens and stuff probably benefit him. And, and he looks like he has the frame to add some strength too. So, you know, very exciting pick there. Going to see what he can do. I, I like it. Um, yeah, as you said, he's a little bit older. But I think with him being a plus defender, you throw the age out the window. It's not going to make a, a world of difference uh, six months for him. Let him get out there, add the muscle to the frame, and then see what kind of player you have next year. Um, and I think that's exactly what they're doing there. That They're banking that there's some more upside there and that they, they can add some strength uh, and, and, uh, work with him in that regard. But, you know, other than that, I mean, you're talking about a couple of three above average pools right away. And, and that's a very talented player that they may end up with. Yeah. Especially, you know, down at that pick, which ends up being, like I said, one twenty-four. you're getting a, a guy with three tools and potentially could bring a fourth one along to at least average in regards to the power. Um, that ends up being pretty good. Does have a, a, you know, a commitment to UCLA. So, like you said, I don't think that slot there is six, is four hundred sixty thousand. I don't think that's going to get it done. Obviously, he's going to come in way above that. Um, otherwise, he does walk away to college, and there's no protection for the Indians in the fourth round. They don't get that pick back. So, um, I don't think they're drafting him and expecting him not to sign him. And you mentioned Scott Barnsby's comments last night saying they have deals in place for these kids. Um, perfect game also has some data on him too, that, uh, he posted exit velocity in the top 13%. So, you know, he may not drive the ball consistently with the barrel. He may not, you know, get the ball in the air and he might not, um, hit in the gaps, yeah, but he hits the ball hard. And I think that's extremely important. Yeah, definitely of, you know, added strength, then he's gonna, he's gonna probably pick up some more velocity just on sheer strength alone. And as I said, that's the difference of the ball falling in or, or ended up in somebody's glove. Um, you know, the, the next pick at uh, the fifth round at 154, Mason Hickman, uh, a player that I like. Um, I'll say the only thing he has sexy about him is his control. Uh, has an above average curveball. He control command guy. Sits 90, sits upper 80s, but I am so intrigued to see if they can get him up to 92, 93 on a regular basis. Get him into the league average velocity, even, um, you know. And, and with that type of control, he's going to be a guy that could potentially, if he does add that control, um, he's be he'd be a guy that outperforms. You know, I, I said I think he's a fifth starter right now. He's somebody that could be a, uh, maybe he flashes as a number three, maybe his other pitches come around. Um, he's a four pitch pitcher, you know, with excellent command and control. Um, you know, just somebody that I believe that they'll be able to, to add a few ticks to. 
Yeah, Artie comes from a good uh, baseball school. You know, was the Friday night starter at Vanderbilt. So there's a good pedigree there. He's facing good competition. Um, the Indians like their Vanderbilt kids. They always have, um, you know, 6'6", 230. So he is by far the biggest kid in the class. Um, and probably, like you said, from a balance sheet perspective, you know, he's going to come in under slot. It won't take much to sign him. I think he is a – was he a junior this year? Yes, he is a junior. Yeah, so, I mean, he could go back next year, but I don't think he'd really gain a ton by going back. He's a fourth-year junior as it is, so probably not a ton of leverage. But like you said, he spots all of his pitches. Um, you know, at 6'6", maybe the Indians feel like there's more in the in the, in the the tank for him, like you said. And, and like you said, if you can get him into to 92, 94 range um, with his three pitches and, and be able to command them all, uh, it's not a ton different than, you know, Logan Allen and uh, Tanner Burns, other than the fact he doesn't throw as hard as those guys. Um, and it's just a ton taller. That's the only difference, I think, between those guys. So if you – the Indians have shown the ability to unlock some velocity. I mean, shoot, even Eli Morgan fits into that first bucket we were just talking about, um, you know, with like a Tanner Burns or a, a Logan Allen. You know, they got him from 88, 89 to, you know, 89, 91, which um, – I don't know if his velocity specifically is going to be enough to play at the major league level, even though he has a double plus changeup. And I don't know if Mason Hickman's got double plus anything, but like you said, it's plus command. And if they bump his velocity two or three miles an hour, you know, you're talking about another four or five guy and you've got suddenly you've got, you know, three options from this draft class alone that could fill out the back of a rotation and could probably do it pretty quickly. And that's, important when you're talking about a small draft class and, and keeping the minor league system turning as far as pitching. Absolutely. Overall, overall, I like the, I like the upside with the prep players and I like the security that they have with these arms. Um, I will be intrigued to watch and see if any of these arms adds a little bit of velocity. And I think that's the difference between um, several of these guys being in a, a four or a five or, you know, potentially being a little bit better than that. You know, I, I don't see any of them being better than a middle of the rotation arm, but you don't always have to have uh, guys that project out to ace. Um, Shane Bieber didn't project it as a, as an ace or a, or a number two starter when they drafted him. Um, he was more of a four or a five. He is a guy that I said, I three upside if he could get stronger, uh, but he proved me wrong and I'm glad he did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the, like like and Aaron Savali not is not far off that path either. Um, and there's other guys in the system who are are kind of following the same suit. So obviously the Indians feel comfortable with that profile, and that's why they went this route. And I think they wanted to get guys from this class. They knew they could get to the big leagues next year or um, in 2022. I don't think there's going to be a season this year so for minor leaguers. So I don't think it's going to make a difference. Um, they they stuck with what they're really doing with about. pitching. You know, the the guys with control and command. And then the belief that they'll be able to add a little bit of velocity to them, uh, make a few tweaks and, and improve sliders or change-ups or curveballs, you know, um, get them to the tunnel ever so slightly, you know, and, and that's the difference in adding a K here and there. Um, and that's, you know, that's the thing that the Indians have done really well is developing all of these things. Yeah, I will say a lot of, of other um, draft evaluators do think the Indians had a pretty good class. And we talked about prospects 365, um, had one of their favorite classes, and uh, Baseball America did as well. So a lot of people who who study the draft year-round definitely felt like the Indians had one of the better classes out of the the 30 teams. 
Um, it does feel like they went, we talked about this, it does feel like they went a little bit safer, but they worked within guys they're comfortable developing and guys they felt like they can get to the big leagues and, and make some sort of contribution, whether it's, um, you know, someone like Tolentino who ends up being a, you know, a good defender without a, a ton of power or Carson Tucker, who's a solid, you know, regular with some interesting tools and can, and can play shortstop. Um, and then Burns and Allen and um, Hickman, who wind up being, you know, four or five guys, potentially one of them turns into more, you know, or at worst, you you feel like Hickman could gain some velocity by pitching out of the bullpen, you know, because, you know, one inning stints or two inning stints, he can get that velocity up probably no problem. Um, and at 6'6", six, six, that's an imposing reliever. Or, you know, Tanner Burns has plenty of above average offerings. I think the only thing that keeps Burns out of the rotation is is the shoulder. So there's no reason to think that's going to happen yet. Um, I don't know if Logan Allen quite falls into that bucket. I think he just profiles better as a starter with his stuff. Absolutely. I, I, like, uh, more than I like Allen, even though he's smaller, he's athletic. He played first base too. Um, he He's not going to be a two-way player in the pros. He's clearly a first right. He's clearly a first. He's clearly a left-handed pitcher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, as I said, I'm running on less than four hours of sleep today, so uh, <laughs> the brain's not as clear as it normally is. Not that it's ever very clear. Uh, but to me, I, I look at the overall depth and, and quality of this class, and, and landing four guys that I have second-round grades on is doing an excellent job um, drafting. And then a guy that's a fringe third or fourth in Tolentino and Hickman is a solid fifth round pick. So I think that's a, that's a quality value draft right there. Uh, I like the overall upside and then also the, the quality that these arms bring. All right, let's, let's, I want to ask you three questions we can answer real quick. And then I want to talk a, about a couple guys. We might see them be interested in, um, Sunday when they can start talking on drafted free agents, then we'll get out of here. Cause I know you're tired and we've run long, but um, real quickly, let's not get into too much detail with these so we can, we can get out of here, but um, who's the first player that gets to the big leagues um, who has the most potential and who will make the most impact out of these six. Who makes the big leagues first. I'm going to say Logan Allen. Okay. Um, I would say Burns. Uh, you can go either way. I'm going with the lefty. <laughs> okay. Who makes the most impact out of these six? Um, if they make it, obviously. <laughs> I, I think probably Tanner Burns. I, I do think he's going to be a, a solid okay. number four starter. Um, if, if you're asking highest upside, uh, Petey Halpin to me. I think everything is an unlock with him. I, I do think he's going to be a very good outfielder, um, strong arm, a lot of speed. I think he was underrated. Um, I have Tucker ranked higher. It's not that I don't think he's going to be a good player. I just think he's going to be a, a solid, regular, everyday player at a valuable position, and, and hence he gets a higher ranking for me because shortstop is a priority position. Yep, I agree with you. I think uh, Burns makes the most impact, and I think uh, P.D. Halpin has the most potential to make even more impact than Burns. But um, if I were to pick for sure which one is going to make the biggest impact, I would feel more comfortable saying Burns will than, than Halpin. Um, 
looking at some of the undrafted guys, let's throw out, okay, so no high school guys are going to sign, not in the big ones. So we're not going to see Carson Montgomery. You're not going to see Kate Horton. You're not going to see Kevin Pareda or Tanner Witt sign on Sunday. Those kids are going to college at this point, whether it's um, a four-year school they previously committed to, or if they decide to go to the JUCO route at this point when they, so they can run to the draft next year. Um, some of the names that just stand out to me real quick is Tommy Mace, um, Seth Lonsway, I think is someone that could go back to school. They could look at, um, Jack Leftwich was a guy I think a lot of people thought was going to be taken in the five rounds last night, at least to see him that way. Um, who, who's on your list of guys that the Indians could reach out to? Let's assume. I don't know. It would it would be a very weird 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 situation if there was a high school kid who took twenty thousand to go pro yeah, I, uh, starting Sunday. I uh, I don't think a guy like Tommy Mace. I don't think a guy like Tommy Mace um, signs. I think he goes back to school and ends up, even though he's older, I think he'll end up being a high round draft pick, kind of like uh, Landon Knack from East Tennessee State. Um, he will be older, but you know, the, the profiles there, um, as far as some of the guys that I think that they will have some interest in, I will, uh, throw out Shane McGuire, a catcher from San Diego. Um, his partner, um, catching partner there, um, Adam Kerner, he's almost 22 years old, above average defender bats, fringy, fringy to average. If, if anything at all like that, he's a guy I think is a, um, a backup catcher long-term, um, but you have to have some value. Uh, you have to have some um, catchers in the system. And, and, you know, I would target catchers myself. I don't recall if Mason Erla was drafted or not. He's a guy I would have some interest in. Uh, left-hand reliever Ryan Webb from Georgia. Again, a guy that could go back to school. Um, you know, going down the list even further, I'll throw out a few um, a few other players, Darren Baker, I believe is the son of Dusty Baker. Um, Wyatt Hendry, a catcher mm-hmm. from, from, uh, San Diego state. He was, um, he, he's a guy that probably, well, you know, if I'm him, I don't sign because he was offered $125,000 by the Cubs, turned it down to go back to school. Uh, now he's going to be almost 23 when he, uh, next year, um, Tanner Bibby, a right-hand starting pitcher from, Cal State Fullerton. He's a kid that throws low 90s again, above average control. So he's somebody I thought would be on the uh, ground range for the Indians. Um, Michael Rothenberg, a catcher from Duke, and again, focusing on catcher because I think you need catchers. Um, Tanner Allen, an outfielder from Mississippi State. Uh, let me see. Maybe a guy like uh, uh, Luke Smith, the the right-hand um, starting pitcher from Louisville. He is, uh, uh, I think, a 21, 21-and-a-half, 21 22-year-old senior. Uh, and second baseman Brian Klein from Texas Tech. Um, all guys that I think they could have some level of interest in. Now, according to what Barnsby said last night on, on the um, conference call, they will have flexibility to add some undrafted free agents. It's all going to depend upon the positional need for the organization. So we may not see them extremely active. There's a lot of guys on rosters right now. And if teams are carried down, as we expect, uh, they may not need to add a whole lot of players. And that's particularly why I focused in on catchers, because I think teams always need to add a catcher. And they're always looking for that candidate pitching. 
The only other guy I'm going to throw out <laughs> that I hope the Indians look into is a 23-year-old second baseman from Norfolk, who Eric Longenhag had mentioned as statistical um, interesting guys who probably won't get drafted. And, and this fits one of his Alexander Womack from, uh, uh, like I said, Norfolk State. More walks and strikeouts. Um, high contact, plays second base. I don't know if he's going to stay at second base, but um, the offensive profile, he's five foot nine, reminds me of um, Nick Madrigal a little bit. Obviously, Madrigal played way better competition um, in college and was a, was a former Indians draft pick, though. Um, he probably stays at second base. I don't really know for sure with, with Womack, but, you know, I, the Indians do like their uh, middle infielders who make a lot of contact and can walk more and they strike out. It just depends on if Womack plays uh, second base, can stay at second base, and he's already 23, but uh, one of those kids that probably signs for 20K, I assume, if someone threw it at him. I don't think he goes back to play age 24, but uh, Sunday is going to be really interesting. We'll see how teams can recruit and, and get guys to where they are. And you could probably see more guys like Burns or Allen um, who didn't get drafted that they recruit just because they're comfortable with that. I, I do think they'll sign a couple catchers. You mentioned some catchers. I think that's definitely for sure. Um, I'll add one more player. Chase Antle from Coastal Carolina. He's a reliever that throws 99. He was mentioned as a possible underslot guy in the fourth or fifth rounds of the draft. He will be a priority sign for a lot of teams, in my opinion. Uh, having a reliever that can throw 99, there, there's going to be a lot of teams that want to throw 20K his way. So maybe a team like the Royals or, or some of these other teams that have uh, done right by their players will end up benefiting by, by adding a player like that. All right, you mentioned the name and the location, so I have to ask if you know this. This is exactly why we're going to finish this podcast right now. It's Chase Antle, Doc Antle's kid from Tiger King. <laughs> Kylie McDaniel <laughs> asked the same thing. I, I'm not aware of any relation there, but um, it would be hilarious if there was. You're absolutely right. It is same location, same name. So, um <laughs> I don't know, but I do know he can throw 100 miles an hour, and he was getting some chatter on on uh, Thursday. I had to think what day of the week it is. <laughs> um, he's a graduate student. I just looked this up. He's also from Grove City, Ohio, and previously went to Bowling Green, so he has some Ohio ties. So maybe that plays into it. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Well. There's not a lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about, but we'll we'll come back from our podcast and talk more. You should. Get some rest. I know you're not going to go back to sleep, but you should uh, take it easy the rest of the day and, and try to sleep the rest of the weekend. And uh, hopefully anybody who's listened to us ramble on this long with the draft enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed it. Willie, thanks for all your hard work and coverage. Um, it's been a fun process. I also want to thank the readers and probably the subscribers. We uh, continued to get more and more hits as the days went uh, leading up to the draft. And then yesterday we've had our best day since launching. So, Thank you for everybody who's read, who's listened and subscribed. Uh, we really appreciate it. We hope to keep bringing you content just as good, if not better. Um, even though the draft is over, we have some ideas and some things, even if there's no minor league season. So um, just thank you to everybody. I should have mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, but um, thanks to you, William. Thanks to the readers. Uh, we will talk to you probably next week. Sounds good. And thank you all, all the readers, all the subscribers. And, and thanks for the opportunity to talk baseball once again, Justin. Yep.
Bye.